Brick Lane Brewing. They're doing very tasty things. Find Brick Lane in all good bottle shops. Athena will help you pay down your home loan faster. Visit athena.com.au. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Hello and welcome to Dwayne's World. Great to have your company wherever you might be listening. Dwayne's World for Brick Lane Brewing. They're doing very tasty things at Brick Lane. And you can find the Brick Lane team at Queen Vic Market. They've got the new premises there. It's a brilliant old building, redone, remodeled, new kitchen. Uh, and you can drop in and see the team and tell them we sent you at Brick Lane Queen Vic Market. You can find Brick Lane, by the way, in all good bottle shops as well. And we're here for Athena Home Loans. Be rewarded for your loyalty at Athena Home Loans. Midday Madness, Friday edition, and it's great to have your company. Midday Madness for work locker carrying downs and packing and work where for wherever you work. And the number is 1-300-736-736. 1-300-736-736 is the number. If you'd like to join me, anything in the world of sport, we'll get you on. 1-300-736-736 for the next two hours. Or, as we found yesterday, if you spotted Taylor Swift in town... Uh, if she's been in your local deli, um, then you can also give us a call and give us a Taylor Swift update, given it's Taylor Swift mania around Australia right now. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. But anything in the world of sport you'd like to discuss, we'll get you on. And we'll give away a few prizes as well. We've got Brick Lane Dining Experiences for two to give away. And we've also got some Dwayne's Ward T-shirts, um, rounds of golf at Club Mandalay, Signet Boost Power Banks. We've got the whole shebang to give away to your calls in the next hour or two. Send through your text as well, 0433981116, and I'll read out your text. So to the phones straight up, well, we all watch training and pre-season games at this time of year to pick up trends, to pick up changes. So we've been hearing from Kingy, I've been watching as well. Uh, mainly I go to see faces and boots and haircuts and what the new guys look like, obviously, because I want to be able to pick them up in the call as soon as possible. So watching them train and watching their pre-season hit-outs is important to me. But the pre-season play quick catchphrase I've already talked about a bit. The interesting part is what does it look like now that we've heard it thrown out by a number of coaches, assistant coaches and players this pre-season. What does it look like? Well I'll tell you what it's looked like from what I've seen straight away anyway, going to watch a little bit of pre-season footy. Um, It means if you get it, you go. You don't hesitate. Everyone when there's a turnover goes. So you cut the ball off at half back. What's it going to look like? Well your guy with the ball who who gets it off the turnover, is not going to wait, not going to hold up and consider his options before he goes. Everyone from the fullback forward goes. And the fullback not, might not be in a position to get the ball given to him because the ball's been cut off at halfback. But if there's a fumble or a brick wall is ahead, you've always got the fullback to go back to. So your fullback's also going to run. It's going to be this big wave of 18 players instinctively going. And instinct also means that there's going to be more kicks inside 50 going to the guns. And we heard Lockie Ash on this program talk about you just go and you take the one-on-one that's available. So for the Giants, for example, they're going to go to the Toby Green one-on-one. And if the Toby Green one-on-one isn't there, they'll go to the Jesse Hogan one-on-one. So either one will be leading and one will be staying back at the square. That's what they're going to be looking for. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six Scoring, we presume, is going to go up. And full forwards are going to get more opportunity than ever this year than they had before. And this time last year, I kind of went out on a limb and said that we could have our first 90-plus goal kicker last season. And we could have had it for the first time in a long time 
with Charlie Kernow kicking 81-44. Now, Charlie had a poor final series, so I was nearly right. We nearly got a 90-plus goal kicker. Last time any forward kicked more than Charlie's 81 in a full season, including finals. Brendan Favola's 89 in 2009. Buddy Franklin's 82 in 2011. So there's been no 90 goal kickers full season, home and away plus finals, since Fraser Gehrig's 103 in 2004. So I'm going to go again. Someone will kick 90 plus this season. We had the highest tally in 13 years last season kicked by Charlie Curnow. The top 10 players I'm going to give you are capable of doing a Fraser Gehrig. So who do you think could do a Fraser Gehrig in the finals this year, kick 103? Steve Hocking was on the program this week. He said the flow of the game, the quick speed of the game that has happened because of 6-6-6 and and because of the stand rule means that scoring and goal kicking should go up again this year. Here's Steve Hocking from this program this week. If you have a look at uh, where it's um, trending, um, you know, sort of year on year, coaches have just embraced um, you know, a, a, a more attacking style of play. You know, whether that's got to do with the rules or not, you know, the coaches have have, um, have taken on uh, that direction. And, so you can uh, see it continuing the, to grow? The, the amount of yeah, goals? I are... do. Yeah, I do, Dwayne. Steve Hocking on it yesterday. Um, I think we're going to get a 90-plus goal kicker. Who could do a Fraser Gehrig this year? I'll give you the top 10 guys that I think could do a Fraser Gehrig this year. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number if you'd like to join me, or 0433981116. I mentioned Lockie Ash talking about instinctively going and taking the one-on-one on offer. Essentially, players are going to go to their gun. They're going to kick it to their gun and say, we're backing you in, in your one-on-one or even your one-on-two, just like you did with Gary Ablett Sr., Back in the day, here's uh, Lockie Ash on the Toby Green uh, one-on-one. Well, I'll bring you Lockie Ash shortly. We'll take a couple of your calls first. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Buddy in two thousand and eight kicked one hundred and thirteen. Yeah, Norton on the text as well. One here. How about we wait a few weeks rather than hypothetically thinking about what might happen? Well, the bottom line is, I've been to training, and Kingy's been to training, and a few of us have been to training. It is already happening. We're seeing it in training. Steve in Vermont. Welcome to you, Steve. Dwayne, you there, mate? Yeah, good to have you, Steve. Thanks for kicking us off. We've got a signature boost power bank, a radiant holes of golf for you at Club Mandalay for kicking us off today on one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Your thoughts? I've got to pull you up there, Dwayne. What did you say about Fraser Gehrig? He was the last one to kick 90-plus goals in a season. Including the finals, yeah. Kicked his 100 in the finals. Buddy, Buddy Franklin, 2008. 2008, yeah. Fair enough, 2008. But Buddy... His 82 was 2000, okay, 2008. I thought Fraser Gehrig in 2004 was the last guy, but thanks for correcting me. That's all good. Steve, who's it going to be this year, do you think, if we get a Fraser Gehrig happen? Well, Buddy Franklin and Roughhead kicked 200 goals between them, including the, including the final series. It was about 113 and, 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 uh, and about 87 or something to uh, Roughhead. So, uh, you know, I think uh, Charlie Kern, I could probably do it. But... Uh, you know, just just gotta let's not forget Buddy Franklin, thousand goals, twelve hundred goals, whatever he's done, hundred goals mm. in a season. He's a champ, and you're a champ too, Dwayne. You just got that one wrong. Good on you, Steve. Thanks for your call, uh, Dwayne. Jeremy Cameron could go close if he stays fit. The issue for Jeremy Cameron, and he's fit at the moment. I've, I've just wandered down to Geelong training this morning, so Jeremy Cameron's fit. They're all fit at the Cattery. There's not a lot of injured players at the moment. Um, 
So, yeah, Jeremy Cameron, if he plays closest to goal, but I'm not sure he's going to play closest closest uh, to goal like a... Well, there's a number of players that are going to be stay-at-home full forwards this year that have got more chance, I think. Dwayne Curnow is not going to be able to score big numbers in games against rubbish teams like playing the West Coast twice again. Much harder draw. Fair enough. Thanks for your text as well. Uh, go easy. Um, thanks for that. Uh, well, I'm going hard because I think this is going to happen this year. I'll give you my top 10 guys that could do the 100, including the finals this year. Charlie Curnow, number one, kicked 81 last season. And I think he can do better than that with a good final series. So hopefully uh, we might get the... It'll be nice to get the 100-goal run on sometime during the finals like we did with Fraser Gehrig, which obviously stuck in my mind. Jesse Hogan, I think, is two. I think he's going to be a stay-at-home full forward this year. He's in the prime of his career right now. He's committed now in a top team with Toby Green taking some of the heat from him. I think he's the second-best chance of actually reaching the ton in the finals this year. Three, and I had a text on this yesterday when I was talking about Max King kicking a big number this year. I've got Max King at three. If the Saints play attacking football, if, and that's a big if, but if they play attacking football and Max King stands up and they get a final or two, I think he's the third best chance of doing it. Fourth best, well, I don't see North Melbourne playing finals. But he could have a big home and away game. And, gee, if they could sneak in and get one final, it would be Nick Larkey. He kicked 71-24 last season in a team that won three games. So if North Melbourne actually have a better season, win more than double that, with a better midfield supply, I think he could kick 90-plus this season. He just won't kick the 100 in the finals because I don't think North Melbourne will get there. But I've got Nick Larkey at four. Ben King I've got at five. Gold Coast have got the easiest draw of any team. Damien Harbick's now the coach, and Ben could get far more supply and stay injury-free. So I think he could actually explode this season, Ben King, if he's good, if he's as good as we think he is. And that's the issue with both of the King boys as well. I'll give you the rest of my top 10 straight after the break. Your calls, 1-300-736-736-736 is the number. Uh, one here on the text, Wayne. Tried out Brick Lane at the Queen Vic Market. Last Sunday, after hearing you mention it on your show, and it's brilliant. They had $2.50 oysters and $9 pints of One Love Pale Ale. We'll be heading back again. Clinton in the Docklands. Thanks for the plug, Clinton. Your calls after the break on Dwayne's World. Brick Lane Brewing. They're doing very tasty things. Find Brick Lane in all good bottle shops. Athena will help you pay down your home loan faster. Visit athena.com.au. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Grab out to your calls. Who could be the next full forward to do a Fraser Gehrig and kick his 100th goal in the finals? Fraser Gehrig, the last guy to do it in 2004. And uh, yes, uh, technicality that was brought to my attention that uh, I was aware of, but my terminology was incorrect. Um, Lance Franklin did kick 113 goals in 2008, but he didn't kick his 100th in the finals. So he kicked 102 in the home and away and then ended up with 113. So who can do a Fraser Gehrig this year and kick his 100th in the finals and have the massive run on? Because I think there's, I think there's 10 guys capable of doing it. Charlie Curnow, I've got at one. Jesse Hogan at two. Max King at three, if the Saints play attacking footy and play finals, which they're a big chance to do given they did it last year. Nick Larkey at four, but he'd need a big spike 
for North Melbourne to be able to make finals this year. I don't think they will, but he could be the next guy to do it if North Melbourne play finals in 2025 and no one does it next year. Ben King at five, if the Gold Coast, given they've got the easiest draw this season, have a big tally next to Ben King's name in the home and away, and they do scrape a final or two, the Gold Coast, for the first time in their history. At six, I've got Taylor Walker. Kicked 76 goals last year. He's getting older, but the Crows should also improve, and he's a stay-at-home full forward. So he's a massive chance to do it because if you're a stay-at-home full forward, you've got more chance. Three things need to go right for you. You need to be a stay-at-home full forward. You need to play in a quality attacking team. And I think you need to play finals to get yourself into the 90s and be a threat for the Fraser Gehrig ton this year in the final. So Taylor Walker at six. Joe Danaher I got at seven. He kicked 61-37 last season, Joe Danaher. He was playing up at centre-half forward and rucking at times last year. But the Lions will be finalists. And he might play three or four finals, Joe. And if Joe stays closer to goal, I reckon look out. He could be the next guy. I do have Jeremy Cameron, who got a mention on the text machine at eight. If he plays close to goal for the Cats, he could threaten 90. But I'm not sure if the Cats are going to play him that close to goal. And Tom Hawkins is fit right now, so it's likely that Tom Hawkins will line up a full forward for their round one clash. And at 10, I've got Tom Lynch. He kicked in the 60s three times in his career, and he is coming back from injury, and he's probably going to miss round one, but he, well, opening round, but he should be back for round one. Now, can the Tigers play finals? Maybe not. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a stretch for Tom Lynch, but I've got him in the top ten anyway. Ahead of Charlie Dixon, if he stays injury-free, and Ivan Soldo rucks all year, then as a stay-at-home full 40 might be a chance. Now, a few people on the text are saying Oscar Allen. I don't think they'll win enough games, the West Coast Eagles, but have you got a thought on this? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. the next guy who could do a Fraser Gehrig and kick his ton during the finals, given football's going to be more attacking this year. Keep your text coming through as well, 0433981116. Let me read out a few of those before I head back to your calls. And give away a few Dwayne's Board T-shirts and some Brick Lane dying experiences and a Signet Boost power bank or two. Uh, I think Jesse Hogan would be a big chance this year. The Coleman, Brett and Bunyip. I think Jesse Hogan's in full flight right now, and he could be absolutely. The running demands and lactic acid build-up is the biggest factor as to why accuracy has stayed relatively similar. Yeah, if accuracy goes up, then it's going to be huge. Uh, take away the shot clock, and you'll see 90-plus comfortably. Yeah, you might be right on that. If we did take away the shot clock and give them more time, uh, we might actually see that increase, and maybe the AFL should consider it. Uh, that text goes on to say maybe even a, a hundred these players need to correct their heart rate. Uh, Ash, thanks for your text as well. Ash, I appreciate you jumping on. Um, Dwayne, I think Mr. Reliable Brody Mycheck gets more aggressive. He could kick, kick 80 to 90 plus goals in a season. That's from Matt. Thank you. Dwayne with McCurch and Sheasel at half back. Where can uh, Fisher? Fit in. He's been recruited as a halfback. Can't have all three in. Thanks for that. Uh, keep your text coming through. Lots of North Melbourne texts in the last couple of days. If Max King plays aggressively, yeah, he's a chance. Two-metre Peter, capable with, with a full season and some finals. Yeah, maybe, but I don't have him in my top 10. And again, how good was Fev? 99 goals and a poor side, and Clarko stopped his 100. Uh, Charlie Dixon, ha 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 Come on, Dwayne. Let's get serious. 
Uh, yeah, Charlie Dixon, he's that enigma, Charlie Dixon. He does need to improve a bit. But Port Adelaide, I think, are going to have a big say in the premiership race this year. Midday Madness for work, Locker, Karen Downs and Packenham. Work where for wherever you work. Keep your calls coming on that open line. Brought to us by Werribee Kia. And you can text your text through on the 40 Winks Temper text. But it's Talk Back Radio. I'd rather have a chat to you on that Werribee Kia open line. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. And the EV9 is available for a test drive today at Werribee Kia. So drop down and see the team at Werribee Kia. They'd love to see you. David, Janan, Aid, Jim and the whole team, they're all down there. Keep your texts coming through and keep your calls coming through for Midday Madness on that open line brought to us by Werribee Kia. By the way, you can drop in to the Werribee Kia service department as well. If you're a tradie and you've got a ute, you can take it down to Werribee Kia service and organise a replacement vehicle for your day whilst your ute is in for a service. So they do look after you if you're a tradie down there with a loan vehicle. Midday Madness for Work Locker, Count Downs and Packingham. Work where for wherever you work. Uh, Harry and Charlie could do it. Um, maybe they could. Harry and Charlie, um, 150-plus. Yeah, that's the issue. Can Charlie kick straight this year? But I think they could. Uh, Dwayne, did I hear you say you were at Geelong training this morning? What are your impressions on the boys? I went down and watched a lot of their training, which was kick to kick. So I watched a bit of the first 10 minutes of their trial game, which had just started when I walked out. But I can't tell you much when it comes to positions because I had to walk out and quickly whip home to do this program. But I did see a lot of their kick to kick and their early warm-up work because I wanted to see faces and see who the new kids look like. So... Yeah, that's the reason why I was down at training this morning, but I didn't stick around for their full trial game. And it wasn't an open trial game as well for the general public to come in and watch, but I will be dropping down to a few more training sessions in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Just tuned in, Mitch Lewis is a chance. Uh, Oscar Allen is a dark horse, Matt, in Brisbane. Uh, Harry Mackay could kick 90 straight, 90 plus if he kicks straight. And that's a good point you've made as well. So keep your texts coming, keep your calls coming. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Going to take a quick break for news, very shortly. Mark, Mark Bickley is going to join me later in the program, so we'll talk more AFL with Mark Bickley. Chris Anstey to talk some NBL. So I'm looking forward to chatting to Chris Anstey. The NBL comes down to the pointy end of its season with the last round this weekend. Sydney Kings need to beat Southeast Melbourne Phoenix on well, tomorrow to actually make the NBL playoffs. So a big game coming up for South East Melbourne who are injury depleted their last game of the season at home and the Sydney Kings up against them. Big game for them. They need to win that to advance. Uh, 18 holes of golf we've got to give away to you and a mate with a cart. Get 18 holes of golf for two with drinks and a cart midweek for just $99 at Club Mandalay. Visit clubmandalay.com.au and some Brick Lane dining experiences for two including a three-course meal and Brick Lane beers. Brick Lane's One Love Pale Ale. It is the taste of summer. Brent Costello also to bring us the latest on what's happening down in Tassie, given there is a little bit of, or well, there's an election going on. Now, it doesn't sound like there's anything too much to worry about when it comes to the new team and the new stadium, but we'll cross down to Tasmania to get the latest from Brent Costello a little bit later on in the program. But your calls for Midday Madness continue straight after news. Keep your calls coming. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. A quick break for news and then back to you. The one who used to have a good full for wood, a sell half for wood, was Geelong. But now they got too old. If they get a little injured, they can't recover it. What about Adelaide? They got a good forward line? Uh, he's older than I am. <laughs> who could be the next guy to do a Fraser Garrick? According to Johnny in Epping, it won't be Taylor Walker. 
Your thoughts, one 736 who could kick their tonne in the finals this year, given we're expecting a more attacking brand of footy. The open line, one 736 brought to us by Werribee Kia. If you'd like to join us for Midday Matters, anything in the world of sport you'd like to discuss, we'll get you on. And don't forget, the EV9 is available for a test drive down there at Werribee Kia. You can test drive it today. Speaking of Tom Lynch as well, being a chance, Nathan Broad was on SENWA Breakfast to give us the latest on Tom Lynch. Here's what Nathan Broad had to say. He's going great guns, which is good. Um, he's in drills at the moment, um, and he's bloody, it looks like he hasn't absolutely missed a beat. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a long time out for Tommy, so there's no reason just to push him. Uh, we got a five-day break after Gold Coast 2 into Carlton, so um, just see things that the, the fitness staff are weighing up. But, yeah, no, no setback for Tommy. He's, he's going fine. Um, we've just got to pick the right time, and I'm sure the, the blokes on the big bucks will pick the right time when to play him. Yeah. But it'll be early in the season, I would say. Nathan Broad on Tom Lynch and uh, what's going on at the Tigers. He also talked about the difference between seeing, between Uze's Richmond and Harbick's Richmond, which was interesting from Nathan Broad on SENWA today. Um, a little bit more freedom, I think, um, uh, which would be good. We've, uh, we've still got a game plan there that we're going to follow, but um, just a little bit more freedom. Um, not as many rules in place as such, I guess, but still the same defence. You'll definitely see the same defence, just offensively. A bit more free-flowing, and um, we've got Jack Zabel down too, who's fresh out of the game, and Chris Newman, um, who's ex-captain, is very young. So we've got a lot of young vibrancy around the club with um, fresh ideas. So you'll see um, a different look from Richmond, but um, also the same. You missed Jack Rewalt. A little bit of SEM breakfast today with Nathan Broad. Back to your calls after a quick break. You're with Dwayne's World. Brick Lane Brewing. They're doing very tasty things. Find Brick Lane in all good bottle shops. Athena will help you pay down your home loan faster. Visit athena.com.au. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Straight back to your calls and your texts. one 736 for Midday Madness. You call, you get on. That's the Midday Madness promise. And that's the number, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you'd like to join me in anything of the world of sport you'd like to discuss, uh, one here off the text before we head back to your calls. Who's in Geelong starting midfield? Last year they got smashed in there, but with everyone healthy, there's a lot of names and limited spots. Danger, Guthrie, Blitzavs, Bruin, Holmes, Atkins, Parfit, Clark. Yeah, they've got a long list of players. I think they'll still start with Reece Stanley in the ruck, the way I the way I see it, but uh, and I think if Holmes, Holmes is probably more likely to play on a wing, I'd reckon. Uh, as I mentioned, I did watch the first quarter of their trial game today, and uh, it was also good to have a look at their new grandstand today, which is another reason I wanted to go down there. It's nearly completed. Interestingly enough, talking to the, those that run the grandstand and the trust at GMHBA Stadium today in relation to what they're planning to do with their new grandstand to, for the fan experience, with the new standing room area in a grandstand, which is a little bit different, having one designated area on the second level of the grandstand for just standing room only, because they want to enhance the fan experience of having a fairly loud area for the fans to stand in. Opposition fans can stand in that area as well. So it's now going to be maybe packed with more standing opposition fans at GMHBA Stadium, rather than having them all sitting in that one little pocket like they've had in the past. But the fan experience is another one that's been raised today. Stuart Fox was on the captain's run earlier today talking about the improvements to the fan experience at the MCG this coming season. 
Yeah, coming and going is going to be a little easier for us. We've we've just installed a state of the art ticket. Um, you know, the turnstiles in at the G, which um, you know, just everything's going to be ticketless. Um, really easy access through those turnstiles. We've just purchased a new uh, state of the art uh, security system called Evolve. So that means you don't have to unpack bags and go through searches. You just walk straight in. And we've actually had that in operation for the cricket season. So just trying to create a nice, seamless entry uh, for patrons. And we've also installed a couple of um, express stores around Food and Bev. And again, they've been up and going. And it's been fascinating to watch the customers because you basically just walk into these stores. You, you scan your card, go through the gate and grab whatever you want, food, drink, and walk straight out. And yeah. people almost feel like they're stealing. Um, and they're sort of looking around, how does this all, all work? But it's you know all automated cameras. And that's just trying to, again, improve um, you know the throughput uh, through all those food and bed outlets. And, and Stuart Fox, earlier today on the Captain's Run, what are the essential things for a fan to enhance the fan experience? The tap-and-go automatic food uh, outlet machines that they've got at the MCG are huge. Um, not having your bag checked is going to be massive on the way in. And having a look at the new grandstand at the Cattery today, a lot of those new innovations are going to be there. What are the essentials for a fan to make you want to go to the footy or turns you off from going? one three hundred seven three six seven three six off the back of my sneak preview of Geelong's grandstand and Stuart Fox on the MCG improvements earlier today on the captain's run. And we'll give away a few Dwayne's World T-shirts to your calls in the next couple of minutes. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 One here asking me for a bit more of what I saw at the Cats today. And another one here, pointless going if you didn't stay for the trial game. Send Kingy. Cat supporters get no intel. Time to cancel my membership. Uh, well, that's a bit extreme. I did have to come home and do the show, by the way. But here's what I did get today from watching the first quarter because this is what I was looking for. I was looking for a few of the younger players, the new players, to see what they'd look like. So when I'm calling them, I actually know what they look like. Phoenix Foster, who's been on the list for a, a year, is bulked up and looks like he could be added to their lineup at some stage this year. Toby Conway is huge, 208 centimetres. He's a big unit, and his tackle follow-up uh, as a ruckman was pretty good to watch today in the early stages. Uh, Sean Manor, on looks, you probably wouldn't recruit him, but from what I'm told, he just keeps getting the ball. So he's wearing the number seven, so it's a little bit of a different look for the number seven. Uh, Jai Clark, he's only little, but he's like a new recruit this year. So hopefully he's get, going to get plenty of games this year. Conor O'Sullivan I was quite impressed with. Gary Rowan was pretty much the only guy who didn't train today, didn't play in that game because he's just had a new bud, bub. And uh, Shannon Neal looks fit as well. Ankle injury this time last year when I went and watched them play and train. Uh, hopefully he's going to have a big impact. So that's the, what I gleaned from watching a little bit of the Cats earlier today. Aphrodite in Listerfield. I don't think you've called before, Aphrodite. Welcome to you. Good. Thanks, Dwayne. I just wanted to say the G's a great experience, but from a female's perspective, gee, we need a lot more female toilets. The queues are astronomical, and we're not happy. A lot more females would feel exactly the same. I love going to the games. What's interesting, Aphrodite... Lots of games for yep. Collingwood last year, but it's always the same thing. So why do they give the females the same amount of toilets as the males when it is obvious with your lines that you need more? And as a male, I probably do. We do, do want you to have more female toilets because 
I've been to many events around Australia, Aphrodite, where females have had to go into the male toilets. I know. I've done it. <laughs> I know it's a really pathetic thing to ring up about, but gee whiz. Like, come on. Females go to the footy as well. I love my experience. Make it easier for us, okay? Good on you, Aphrodite. I think you're a first-time caller. You've either got a Dwayne's World T-shirt or you can head down to Brick Lane on us, the Brick Lane Dining Experience for two, including a three-course meal and Brick Lane beers. Brick Lane's One Love Pale Ale is the taste of summer. More female toilets. I hope you get listened to. Good point. Hadn't thought of it, but now that you raise it, have thought of it. Simon and Eltham, welcome to you, Simon. Good day, Southway. Yeah, good. I just um, think... Uh or well, another call about toilets, um, just more cleanliness around the toilets. I mean, sometimes you go in a toilet at half-time and absolutely putrid, so maybe you like, have more cleaners on board, I guess, doing anything. Fair enough on that call, Simon. I was reading a report that when you go to a cubicle at a public event, you're better off going to cubicle one, the closest cubicle, because it's always the cleanest as opposed to cubicles two, three, and four, because everybody thinks that going to the furthest cubicle is the way to go. So try cubicle one, I'm told, according to the latest survey that I've read, and boy, do you read some strange stuff when you're stuck on a, on a plane. Rob in Strathmore, welcome to you, Rob. G'day, Dwayne. Um, I just wanted to talk about what I find will be interesting this year with um, Essen and Richmond. I don't think there's much between their lists now. Adam Uze missed out on the Essendon job to Brad Scott. In Brad Scott's first year, I didn't see a lot of tangible difference in the way we play, if you have a look at all the stats. I'm just going to be interested in to see who finishes on top of who and how both teams go. Because from all reports, Uze's going to be a very good coach. Just your thoughts? Well, Rob, I don't know, like everybody else, doesn't know if Adam Uzo is going to be a good coach. A lot of people are telling us he's going to be a good coach. But to be honest, Rob, I think the biggest part of whether Adam Uzo is going to be a good coach is the fitness of his guys, his main guys. And as much as it's hard to say this, because I like watching the trial games and I enjoyed going down to the Cattery to watch them train today, um, the best ability is availability. And the last thing you want to have is what happened to Hawthorne yesterday. You don't want to lose one of your main runners in Chankuth Jath for eight weeks. Uh, you don't want to be losing your fullback for the season, Rob. And if Adam Uzo has that happen to him, then his ability to be a good coach is stifled big time. But if he doesn't have it happen to him, if Tom Lynch gives him a full season, um, then all of a sudden it's a different world that he's playing in. He's got a different amount of weapons to use. And let's face it, Rob, Richmond's still got some pretty good weaponry. Yes, for sure. I agree, Dwayne. I'm just interested in... <laughs> Very interested in how Essendon's going to go this year. The way they ended last year was just diabolical. And um, I, I just... <laughs> mate, if, they, if they don't improve, I, I'm going to be shattered. So, Rob, is Richmond's best seven players better than Essendon's? I would probably think they are, aren't they? Yes, for sure, Dwayne. I agree. Essendon, look, I know... Yeah, 100%. A lot of Essendon supporters have said this on your show, that Essendon need to get improvement from the youngsters. Cox, Reed, Perkins, Hobbs, Sardis, 
really, you know, that's where Essendon's improvement has to come from. Hmm. Yeah, Richmond's best six or seven players are up there with any team in the comp, really, when you think about it. Tom Lynch, who has won a couple of Coleman's and has been a superstar over his career. Dustin Martin, Shea Bolton. I mean, they're right up there. It all depends as well on Noah Bolter as a forward, Rob, whether he makes it as a forward. So if Noah Bolter becomes a really good forward, then it's a change of Richmond's world as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. With I think I'm losing you. Yep, I agree with you, Dwayne. Hold the line, Rob. We've got something for you. 18 holes of golf for you and a mate with a cart down at Club Mandalay. Get 18 holes of golf for two with drinks and a cart midweek for just $99. Visit clubmandalay.com.au. Got to take a break, but your calls, 1-300-736-736 is the number. If you'd like to join me, jump on that open line now and we'll get you to wear for Midday Madness. A couple of texts as well um, that have come through. Uh, our away supporters going to get an allocation at GMHBA. Is it only going to be standing room? No, the allocation, I understand, at GMHBA is going to be almost doubled from what it was before. So it's going to be fantastic. Dwayne, how did Grime Myers look? His inside 50 chip passes are elite. Scott, he's had his hair cut, Grime Myers. So he's got the shorter hair. So, uh, and he is still, well, you could argue, is the best kick in the comp in some respects because his rate of assists have been so huge. There was a lot of talk about how good his kicking really was early on. I was part of that talk. I didn't know if he was a good kick or not, but proofs in the numbers, really. Um, the number one thing the AFL should do to increase patronage is follow Brisbane's public transport ticketing system, build the price into the entry ticket. They do that in Adelaide as well on a lot of occasions. If you've got a ticket to the footy, you can travel on the trains for free. Uh, it's 100% true. Women's toilet lines are long at the footy, um, and they need to fix that. Keep your text coming, 0433981116 on that. 40 Winks Temper text. The new Temper Pro, Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Temper mattresses like no other. Midday Madness continues after the break. Dwayne's well for Brick Lane Brewing. On the way to the break, though, Jacob on the road. You're a Tigers supporter. What's your list look like, uh, Jacob? Is it good for the Tigers this year? Is your top seven better than any team in the comp? I would say better than any team in the comp. Well, I'd say we've got quite a few good young guns. In the last call competitor to Essendon, I'd say we're miles off Essendon's list. For us, it's more the depth we have, and they're going to come through. As young guys like Thompson Downs, Sam Banks, they're going to take a step up. Mm. Yeah, well, the youth's going to be huge for Essendon. It's going to be huge for Richmond, and that's the hard part. Once you get past Richmond's top five, what are you going to get from the rest of them? And that's the key for Brad Scott at Essendon. One here, I think the Bombers are in trouble. And there's a few that are a little worried about that as well. Back with more of your calls after the break for Dwayne's Well. Brick Lane Brewing. They're doing very tasty things. Find Brick Lane in all good bottle shops. Athena will help you pay down your home loan faster. Visit athena.com.au. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Always fun to have a company for Dwayne's World. Dwayne's World for Brick Lane Brewing. They're doing very tasty things at Brick Lane. And for Athena Home Loans, be rewarded for your loyalty at Athena Home Loans. Midday Madness, you call, you get on the number one 736 Let's head straight back to your calls and we'll get you on for well the next five minutes and the hour after that. Still another big hour and five minutes of Midday Madness. Quite a few coming through on who's got the best top five in the comp uh, and whether Richmond is up there when it comes to the best top five players in the comp. Uh, one text here, Martin, Bolton, Lynch, Taranto, Rioli, and Baker and Short making it a top seven. 
all A-grade. Not bad. If a couple of youngsters arrive, who knows? That's from Craig. Yeah, if you've got a thought, who's got the best top five players in the comp now that we've raised it? Whose top five is the number one top five? Send it through on the text or jump on the open line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Dwayne, how is Conor O'Sullivan at Cats training today? Conor O'Sullivan to the eye, he looks like a footballer. Now, in saying that, um, you know, Sean Manor doesn't really look like to the eye the guy you would think is going to be the best footballer going around. But from what I'm told, he just gets the ball. So it doesn't matter whether he looks like a football, like the elite athlete or not. But Conor O'Sullivan looked like a footballer, like an athlete. So, uh, yeah, he might end up being a good player. Um, Pipe, Geelong standing room with opposition supporters. Punch on City, your thoughts, Steve-O? No, I don't think it will be. I think it's become... I mean, the AFL is the kind of sport where you can have 70, 80, 90,000 at a venue and not have punch-ons, I see. But we'll have to wait and see. But 40,000 can fit in to the cattery and we expect that there's going to be a number of opposition supporters that will stand in the Geelong standing room. Why wouldn't you? It's a great spot to watch the footy on the old Gary Ablett Terrace, which has now been incorporated into the Joel Selwood stand. Uh, G'day, Dwayne. Great to hear the cats are including standing room at the new standing, their new stadium standing room has always brought a lot of fun and energy to the game. Well done to the Cats. Uh, Dwayne, why didn't you broadcast the show from the SEN commentary box at GMHBA Stadium? Well, I was welcomed down today as virtually as an ex-player to come down. They allowed all their ex-players in today. It wasn't a media day. Although in saying that, um, Damien Barrett was down there. There's one here on the text. Dwayne, just been on the AFL website. Terrific interview with Damien Barrett with Craig McRae. Um, well, there's going to be a terrific interview with Damien Barrett with Chris Scott by the looks of today. Rod in Q, who's got the best top five? Welcome to you, Rod. G'day, how are you? Uh, Good. Caller. Uh, with the fact that I am a Collingwood supporter, but you can't go past the five. Surely they've probably got the best top ten rather than the best top five. I mean, well, give me know, a five. Can you go past players like the going, uh, side bottom, uh, Nick Dacos, Josh Dacos, what do you call Darcy Moore, uh, Pendleberry. It goes on and on, man. What do you call so? You know, let's let's cut all the uh, the BS. You know, Collingwood is by far got the most talent in the team. Plus, they've got youngsters coming up as well now. Look for Ed Allen. Look for Finn McRae. Look for these guys coming through. So you know, um, they're they're looking good again for this year. I think. Yeah, I think we should cut the BS. You're right. Collingwood does have number one. Who's got number two then? Let's open the lines. One here from Matt and Brizzy of the Crows. Dawson, Rankin, Tex, Laird, and Peddler will be a star this year. Rod, uh, I think you're spot on. It's Collingwood. Hold the line. You've got to have Brick Lane dining experience for two, including a three-course meal and Brick Lane beers. Brick Lane's one love pale ale, the taste of summer. Got another one of those to give away in the next hour for more Midday Matter. So jump on the line, one 736 736 The EV9, you can test drive it today. At Werribee Kia, that open line brought to us by Werribee Kia. Another big hour of midday madness. Who's got the second best top five? Brick Lane Brewing. They're doing very tasty things. Find Brick Lane in all good bottle shops. Athena will help you pay down your home loan faster. Visit athena.com.au. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Always love your company for Dwayne's World. Dwayne's World for Brick Lane Brewing. They're doing very tasty things at Brick Lane. You can find Brick Lane in all good bottle shops. 
and we're here for Athena Home Loans. Be rewarded for your loyalty at Athena Home Loans. Straight back to your calls. It's become the great debate for titanium caravans. We had something else earmarked for the great debate for titanium caravans today, but we might as well do this now that it's been raised by a listener or two. For titanium caravans, build tough to tackle Australia's harshest conditions. Make your next caravan a titanium. Who's got the best top five? Phil in Fairfield, uh, who's got the best top five in the AFL? Well, we've established Collingwood has. Who's second best? Uh, g'day, Dwayne. Uh, first time caller, long time listener. Um, look, I'm a diehard line supporter, and we clearly have the best top five, probably equal with the pies, you could say. So I'll just rattle them off for you. Number one, the dual Brownlow medalist, Lucky Neal. Number two, the dual All-Australian fullback, Harris Andrews. Number three, probably one of the recruits of the year last year, Josh Dunkley. Number four, uh, Hugh, Hugh McCluggage, a star in the making, probably the next uh, $1 million player. And then lastly, the most electrifying forward in the comp, Charlie Cameron. What, do you, what are your thoughts? You made a really good case, such a good case. Uh, hold the line. We've got a Dwaynesworth T-shirt for you. Uh, there's quite a few others coming through saying Brisbane's top five is better than Collingwood's. Uh, one here from Dean. So thanks for your call. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you want to join this debate. We might even put it up as the great debate on the Dwaynesworth Twitter feed. Who's got the best top five in the comp? Is it Collingwood? Is it Brisbane? Is it Carlton? We might throw a couple of other options in there. Uh, one here supporting your thoughts that it's Brisbane. From Dean, Charlie Cameron, Zach Bailey, Joe Danaher, Cam Rayner, Lockie Neal, Harris Andrews, and Eric Hipwood. I wouldn't put Eric Hipwood in there, um, but uh, I don't think he's in the top five for Brisbane, but uh, appreciate your thoughts as well. Uh, come on, Dwayne. Let's not just adorn Collingwood without putting some thought in. Well, this is something that's just come out of nowhere off the top of our head. So uh, you put some thought in and I'll put some thought in on the run. Brisbane has the two-time Brownlow medalist, Lockie Neal, arguably the best fullback in the competition, Harris Andrews, the best small forward in the game, Charlie Cameron, tossing Josh Dunkley, who did win the Dogs BNF before he went to the line. So, yeah, you could put him in there for sure. And Big Joey, and I think we have the pies covered. Gee, you make a pretty good case. Um, Joe Danaher I would put in there just on... Joe Danaher being in there and me putting Joe Danaher in my top five um, or top ten full forwards, who I think will have an impact in 2024. I did that a few weeks ago. And having him in my top ten today of players who are the best chance to do a Frazier Gehrig and kick their ton in the finals this year. Give me Tess coming through and your calls coming through. Uh, one here on the text that has tried to pull me up on it and uh, had a crack at me. Um, and I'll read it out once I get to it. Uh, Dwayne, you've changed your tune on Nick Larky. You've changed your tune on Nick Larky, Pipe. You had him at 13 in your best forwards, and now you have him top four for goal kickers this year. Mm. Was that due to all the text messages streaming in? He will amp it up this year. Mark my words. J-Bob, no. I think you misguided J-Bob into what that top 13 was that I did earlier this year. That was the top 15 forwards that I think will have the best impact, the biggest impact on this season. So I make no apologies for having Charlie Cameron ahead of Nick Larkey when it comes to forwards that would have the biggest impact this season. I mean, it's not about goal-kicking tally. It wasn't about who would kick the most goals in that top 15. It was about who would have the biggest impact this season. So yes, I had Charlie Cameron ahead of him. Yes, I had Toby Green, who might not kick more goals than 
Nick Larky, but will have, I think, a bigger impact on the season. Aaron Norton, given the dogs are going to play finals, you would think would have a biggest, in, bigger impact on the season than Nick Larky. Yeah, I make no apologies for thinking Tom Lynch is a better full forward than Nick Larky, even though he hardly played last year and Nick Larky kicked more goals. So it was biggest impact on the season. Nick Larky might kick the biggest goal tally this coming season, but uh, will he have the bigger impact on the season if he ends up kicking the biggest goal tally in a team that wins four games and finishes last? So no, I don't think so. Uh, appreciate your text, though. Keep them coming through. Um, how's the Pies winning the flag with no A-grader gun in their key forwards is still beyond me. J-Dog, yeah, I think Brody Majek's underrated, to be honest. I don't think a lot of people have taken notice of Brody Majek to the point that they should have stood up and realised how consistent and reliable he has been. Um, again, uh, Geelong's top five, Dwayne Cameron, Stewart, Dangerfield, Hawkins, Blitzarves. Yeah, that's a pretty good list as well. Carlton, Cripps, Walsh, Kurnow, Wittering, Chera. Uh, yeah, not bad. I still think Collingwood, Brisbane and maybe Geelong is better than Carlton. Another one here from Joe. Walsh, Cripps, Kurnow, Wittering, Chera. Um, top five, the Demons. Gorn, best defender in the comps, May and Lever, Petrarca and Oliver. Yeah, I hope Clayton Oliver plays this season, obviously, and I hope he plays early. But uh, keep your texts coming through and keep your calls coming through. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Ronnie in Bendigo, have we got to you yet? Ronnie, welcome. Hey, Dwayne. Hope you're having a fantastic Friday. Um, I am. I think, I think the top the top fives, you know, it's very hard to discriminate. Like, I think you find it's, it's primarily the spines of all these great teams. So if you were to compare Darcy Moore... Um, uh, Harris from Harris Andrews and Jacob Wiedering. If you had to pick any any one of the three, they'd be all the same, right? So I think the other way you can look at this is, is who has got the best bottom six? Because I think the top five and top ten are all going to be, you know, within a bull's roar. But the bottom six what separates, you know, I think Collingwood last year from some of those other times. What do you think about that? Yeah, look, you make a good point. But that wasn't, I suppose, the the great debate that was opened up by one of our listeners earlier on. Uh, he mentioned top five. But when it comes to winning a flag, Ronnie, I still think having the best top five is still more important than having the best bottom five. Now, that's a good argument, though. If you've got a thought on this, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I hear all the time depth and grand finals are going to be won and lost by the, the, the depth on your list, your bottom five in that grand final. But give me a good top five any day, Ronnie. Give me a top five full of superstars, and I reckon they're going to cover up what the bottom five get wrong. So, Dwayne, would you have had Bobby Hill in the top five at Collingwood? Like, I, I, he wouldn't have been. No, no, but I wouldn't wouldn't have had him in the bottom five either. I, I wouldn't have had him in the top ten, but it sounds like it's a, you know all the good scribes are suggesting he's had a fantastic preseason and everything else. I, it's just a different way of looking at it. I think that the, the top fives can be on parity, like. You know, if you had to choose between Wiedering, Andrews and Moore, who would you pick out of those three? Yeah. Yeah, look, it's a good argument, Ronnie, and you've opened it up. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Would you rather have a superstar top five, the best top five, or would you rather be up there when it comes to your depth and have the best bottom five? Because I wouldn't mind hearing your thoughts on it now that Ronnie has raised it. Uh, Mark on the Limestone Coast is on the line. We'll get to you shortly, Mark, but uh, I'd really appreciate the fact that you've jumped on again. 
Um, there are a few other callers I want to get to as well. one 736 Keep your calls coming and we'll get to you after Mark on the Limestone Coast. Welcome to you, Mark. Yeah, I'm with Ronnie. Yeah, I think the uh, your, your depth, your bottom five is okay. definitely the way to go. Uh, but I've got a song for you or chasing a song uh, for you to, to have for your, your show. You've got to have a song by Madness, being Midday Madness. And I mm-hmm. think the one step beyond that uh, with the saxophone, I reckon that'd be a great <laughs> intro. Well, get A-Rod to, give, to bring it up. We've got our new song ready to go next week, Mark, so stay tuned for it. It's probably not going to be Madness, but Midday Madness and Madness. Maybe I should get Madness to actually do a new song for us. Uh, great to have you call, Mark, um, and we'll see if A-Rod can get some one step beyond to play to the break. Tony in Box Hill, welcome to you, Tony. G'day, Dwayne, how are you? Good, thanks. Mate, uh, just a um, question on Collingwood's leadership team. Just wondering, when was the last time you had three or four defenders of your leadership team? Uh, well, yeah, I'm trying to think of who would also be in that realm. Yeah, you're right, Tony. I didn't realise that. I didn't think of it that way. I think we've lost you. Stuart Nashburton's there, though. Stuart, welcome to you. You got a top five versus bottom five argument? Yeah, good night, Ryan. Um, just a quick one. St Kilda, 2010-2009. Had top five. You've got Rewald, um, Del Santo, um, you name it. Hmm. And their bottom five lost to the grand final. Just me. That's a fair call, Stuart. That's, there's no right or wrong argument to it. Well, there is a right or wrong. You reckon it's wrong that it's the top five, it's the bottom five. But I'd still like a really good top five to lead me to a grand final myself. But, yeah, you might be right. I mean, when you look at Collingwood and who their, their bottom five might have been in the grand final last year when it comes to names, at least, Oleg Markov would be in there. You know, maybe Bo McCreary. You know, maybe even you'd include... You know, guys who were in and out a bit, Will Hoskin, Elliot, and Mason Cox would probably be in there as well when you think of who's ahead of him on that. Like Billy Frampton would be in there as well in that bottom five because you've got guys that are, you know, better than those guys. Darcy Moore, Jeremy Howe, Braden Maynard, all these guys would be in your top ten. Still side bottom, Scott Pendlebury, um, you know, Jamie Elliott, Bobby Hill, uh, Nick Dacos, obviously, Jack Crisp. Uh, Tom Mitchell would be up there, probably in your top 15. Good argument, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you want to jump on the line for the great debate for titanium caravans, Australian-made luxury off-road caravans. Now, just in as well, some news. The Western Bulldogs have appointed Tamara Hyatt as the new AFLW coach, replacing Nathan Burke. So Hyatt is a former professional um uh, sorry, perform, former uh, professional golfer, I understand, who has spent the last four seasons serving as an assistant with Melbourne's AFLW side. So she also had previously been head coach of the Sandringham Dragons girls team for three years. So big appointment that for the Western Bulldogs. Tamara Hyatt appointed as their new AFLW coach. I think Danny Laidley was in the running for that as well. So Tamara has beaten a pretty good field. Gordon in Barabin, you there, Gordon? G'day, Dwayne. How are you going? Good, thanks. I just uh, want to just provide my input into the top five thing. I don't go to the footy much uh, these days, but I was at a practice match last year with Melbourne versus St Kilda, and 
the stars just made such a difference. Gorn, Petrarca and Oliver, even just the three of them, made such a difference compared to St Kilda. And then when you look at the premierships of Richmond, you know, their stars, the stars stand out. Um, I get what the other people are saying, but um, the stars make a big difference. Hold the line, Gordon. We've got a Dwayne to a T-shirt for you as well. Got a few of those to give away and some Signet Boost power banks to give away. Really appreciate your call, Gordon and Moravin. Not sure we've heard from you before. Maybe both is true. So in different years, it's been the top five or six. One here on the text, you should be talking about the top six players. That's something I've always thought. Well, this whole argument started with me talking about the top seven and Richmond's top seven and where they stand when it comes to the top sevens of other teams in the competition. So it did start as a top seven argument. And I reckon you take a better top seven than a better lower top seven. But that's the beauty of having debates on the run like this. More after the break. Dwayne's word for Brick Lane Brewing. Find it at all good bottle shops. Brick Lane Brewing. They're doing very tasty things. Find Brick Lane in all good bottle shops. Athena will help you pay down your home loan faster. Visit athena.com.au. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Grab out to your calls, Mark Bickley to join me after two, Chris Anstey to join me after two, and we'll head down to Tasmania to Brent Costello after two to get the latest on what's happening there with the new stadium and the election. Barry in Ballarat, though, as we head back to your calls, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. the open line number, if you'd like to join me. Are you there, Barry? Yeah, I am. Yeah, how are you going? Good to have you, Barry. What have you got for us? Mate, I was just thinking you talk about you'd like your top five. I was just thinking I followed North for 40 years. When in the 70s, they brought all, nearly all the best players in the competition when they had that 10-year grant. So you sort of, all the best players. Yes. And then, But then you go into the 90s when you know, they had a side that was just consistent, every player. In, you know, in 96, 99, really the only top player they had was, was Wayne Carey. So essentially you're telling me both is true, Barry. It depends on which team, which era. Sometimes it's the top five, sometimes it's the bottom five. Yeah, yeah agree totally. Good call, Barry. Uh, who do you back for, Barry? Uh, well, Barry for North Melbourne. Yeah. And do you see yeah. them playing finals when, Barry? Do you think you're on the rise? Well, uh... I think they're building. I, I don't. I, I can't see probably another four years, four or five years. Yeah. Okay. And you're prepared to be that patient? Ah, yeah. Well, I've been patient. I was patient from when I was a, a kid till the seventies. You know? <laughs> so I... you have to be strong to be a North Melbourne supporter. You do exactly, Barry. Great to have you. Appreciate you jumping on the line, and uh, we'll find something for you in the prize cabinet. If we haven't got any Dwayne's or t-shirts yet, we'll find a. A signet boost power bank or send you down to Club Mandalay for 18 holes of golf. Keep your curls coming. Keep your texts coming. Uh, Cripps, Walsh, Kurnow, Wiedering, Mackay. Easy best top five. Thank you for that. Uh, Dwayne, I think when you... Um, I think the top six get you into the grand final day. But when they get to the grand final, besides always so even, it's usually the bottom six on grand final day that are of higher importance and sometimes the difference. Justin in Crescent Head, thanks for that. Uh, Tamara Hyatt, this is on Tamara Hyatt being appointed the Western Bulldogs AFLW coach, ahead of a pretty strong field, including Danny Laidley. 
uh, Tamara Hyatt is a good appointment for the AFLW Dogs as coming from one of the fitter and more professional AFLW teams in Melbourne. She will recognise that the fitness levels and professionalism at the AFLW Dogs requires dramatic improvement. J-Dog, thanks for that. Uh, so many texts coming through on the top five. Hard to topple Pendlebury, Degoe, Crisp, Nick Dacos, Jay Dacos, Moore, Sidebottom uh, for top five, six, seven. Thank you for that. Uh, one here, Carey, McKernan, Schwass, Stevens, Longmire, Archer, talking about the top five that North Melbourne had in that premiership that was talked about by a previous caller. Dwayne, uh, don't like Collingwood, but think they have both top and bottom five covered at the moment. So there you go. Both is true, and both is true right now with Collingwood. David and East Bentley. Hello, David. Hey, Dwayne. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. That's right. Good discussion. I, I would reference, it was a Barry, the North Melbourne supporter. Yeah. He's right, because if you look at the Lions, my, my mighty Lions, um, in the in the dynasty, their bottom five was, wow, you know. I don't know how you could have a bottom five when they were really rolling along. Even last year, you'd have to say um, the, top, the bottom five was still pretty good to go with the top five. Um, because all the players push themselves up to try and get into a, a top five, mm. top six, top ten sort of bracket. With Kadane Coleman, look how much he's improved. To, you could argue he could be top five with his kicking. It's just about your perception of it all. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, David, because Chris Fagan was on breakfast uh, earlier this week and he actually strengthened our caller's bottom five argument by saying he thought his wingman let him down. There wasn't enough run on the wings. So, I mean, given that Jasper Fletcher was on one wing, I'm trying to think of who was on the other, but maybe it was the bottom five that he thinks lost Brisbane uh, the grand final. But, but would you call Jared Berry a, uh, a bottom five or a top five player? I don't know. I don't think he is. So, no. um, and, and, of course, Jasper's only very young. He's still learning yeah. the, the game. So, um, but, but it just shows you, doesn't it? You know, it's, you need strong on both. You know, because that one will push themselves to become yep. a top five. That's what you want. Yeah, the trouble we've is improved. They, yeah, the trouble is for a great debate and for an argument, it's not a good result to have both things being true. But it uh, sounds like that's where we've got to. <laughs> We're back in the middle. Both things are true. You need to have a good top five, but you need to have a good bottom five to win games of footy and to win on the biggest stage. Great to have you call, David. Good debate. Thanks to the caller earlier on for opening it up. A couple of other texts that have come through that I did need to get to about uh, what is the best and the worst thing about the fan experience at the moment when going to the footy. Uh, cashless at the footy is crap. Last time I checked, money was legal tender in, Austra- in Australia pipe. And yes, it's now cashless at a lot of venues, including the MCG. You cannot buy stuff with cash. You have to use your credit card. Uh, transportation is a huge turnoff. Trains to and from Melbourne are just an absolute nightmare now, and probably have been for quite a while. Pipe, overzealous security at Optus isn't pleasant. Can't even make a beer snake at the cricket without getting tossed out. Also, free transperth travel here as well with all major sports. Jason in Perth, so that's a good thing with the free transport if you have a ticket to go. Uh, Buddy, Ruffy, Cyril, Hodge, Mitchell. Not too shabby. So there you go for a best five that won the flags for the Hawks. Uh, Kernahan, Williams, Bradley, Cooter, Ratton. Uh, thank you. Uh, Ablett Senior, Hocking, Bairstow, Couch, Russell. There's a good top five for Geelong in an era 
that didn't win a flag. So thank you, but of course I wouldn't have been in Geelong's top five in that era. Um, Charlie Curnow, Patrick Cripps, Sam Walsh, Jacob Wiedering, Chera, there's been a few of those come through. Mark saying, wouldn't swap these five for any other five. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, but appreciate your text. And one here, um, hi Dwayne, do we ever know who will make a good coach? I remember when Lee Matthews took over from Bob Rose as Pies coach. A lot of chatter saying he wouldn't make a good coach. Check his record now. Um, RE, the ladies lose. I always stuck, go to the loo five minutes before the end of the quarter. Uh, back in my seat when the siren sounded at the end of the quarter. There's some advice from Susan for all women out there going to the loo at major events, uh, at least the footy. Peter in Robinbow, are you there, Peter? Thanks for jumping on. Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. Love your show, mate. Thanks for jumping on. Uh, look, I think Collingwood, hands down, isn't it? I mean, I suppose you got, you look at it in a few ways. Would you would you have Dugowie? This is, this, I want your opinion on this. Would you take yeah, you Dugowie would. or Neil? Yeah, yeah. Dugowie, if I'm buying stock in someone, if I'm having someone to play for me this season, picking a top 10 to play for me this season, I'm picking Dugowie in it. Yeah, absolutely. And I reckon you'd probably take Nick Dacos purely for what he can do. Yeah, I've got yeah. Nick Dacos in there as well. Absolutely. Yeah, top five, top 10 players comp wide this season. I reckon Dugowie and Nick Dacos are both in there, yeah. Um, also, for all the Brisbane callers, I mean, I hate to upset them really, but the, the, the proof's in the pudding. You see, Collingwood's top five are all premiership players. So that's got to sway him over just slightly, I would have thought. And a nice way to rub it in to end the half hour. Peter, we need a break. Um, a couple of your calls after the break, of course. Midday Matters can, includes uh, your calls and your texts. Always great to have so many texts coming through as one of the 40 Wings temper text, 0433981116. But it's Talkback Radio. Love having a chat to you. So jump on the line and we'll get straight back to you. one three hundred seven three six seven three six after news. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World. Keep your calls coming in, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. One thing I do, I want to throw in one last editorial from me before the week's out. Let me play you Steve Sammartino, our AI expert, our technology expert from this program a week ago, telling us that forget chips in the ball, we just need better cameras in the goalpost. Steve Sammartino, our AI expert, our technology expert, the guru who was on last week, said this on cameras and footy and go online technology. Rather than using the cameras that are also used for broadcast, it would be far more effective uh, to have a set of cameras set up on all of the goalposts and boundary lines and all of the, the white lines across an AFL ground. That's you know, highly possible right now today. It's just whether or not the AFL wants to make the requisite investment in all of the grounds to do that. Steve Sammartino on this program. So one last editorial from me for the week and your thoughts on this. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Laura Kane, if you're listening to the show and the AFL does listen occasionally, uh, Laura Kane, do it now. Forget the chip in the ball thing that you're investigating. Okay, do that over the course of the next year. But do the camera change now. You've got the technology and the capability available now, you just have to go and buy it, pay the money. The infrastructure is there now. We have cameras in the goalposts to get goal line technology right. The people don't need to change. You've put in a new process, 
since the Adelaide Oval debacle. So the new process with the people in place doesn't need to change. Just get better cameras. Pay the money and just get better cameras now for this season to start in opening round. There's a couple of weeks to go. Pay the money. Get them. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Do we need to spend another year investigating chip-in-the-ball technology or should we just get better cameras and make the technology upgrade now to make the process of goal line reviewing better than it's ever been before? Because according to Steve Sammartino, it's available. Your calls, your texts, 0433 98 11 16 and 1300 736 736 next. Brick Lane Brewing. They're doing very tasty things. Find Brick Lane in all good bottle shops. Athena will help you pay down your home loan faster. Visit athena.com.au. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Two weeks until the start of the AFL season. Should the AFL do it now? They've got two weeks. Pay the money. Laura Kane, if you're listening, uh, you've got the technology and the capability. The infrastructure is there now. The people don't need to change. You put in a new process after that Adelaide Oval debacle, so the new process doesn't need to change. Just get better cameras. Pay the money. Get better cameras. Fix the goal line review system, and we can have one as good as it is in the NFL with their goal line system when it comes to deciding touchdowns, whether they're over the line or not. Theirs works perfectly. Fixed cameras in the posts or the pylons as it is for the NFL, the same as we've got. It's just that they've got better cameras. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. If you've got a thought on this, am I right or am I wrong? Laura Kane was on SEN a week ago on breakfast and said that they're investigating ball chip technology and nothing's going to change for this coming season when it comes to goal line reviews. Yeah, so the, the ball has a chip in it that picks up a whole heap of different data points and different information. So uh, there's there's a stream around the game itself. So it's tracking things like congestion and ball speeds. So we don't have direct metrics for either of those two things. And how can we start to understand where the ball's going, how quickly it's going and where the players are relative to the footy. So there's a football performance game analysis stream to it. In terms of score review, most of it uh, centres around what, it t- what the ball touches and also what lines it crosses. And so it's quite um it's quite good in terms of uh tracking when the ball has crossed the line and if anything has happened to the ball when that ball has crossed the line say a um a, a slight finger or a post brush mm. uh, it can pick that up so yes the idea is that the technology um is instant and i saw it in action the other day uh, and tells our officials what has happened so we just need to work out how much testing we need to do to make sure that we're confident to use that technology in officiating. But uh, we've already started using it in, term, in terms of uh, data collection from a game analysis perspective. Laura Kane on breakfast a week ago. So they're investigating the chip in the ball technology for another year when, as Steve Sammartino told us, we could just go with better cameras. A couple of texts that have come through before I head to your calls on this one three hundred seven three six seven three six. A couple of texts have come through from Mike. Firstly, Mike tells me I to, um, that uh, Laura Kane is currently having lunch with my wife. Ha, 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 ha. There you go. So, Mike, give us a call uh, and you can pass your phone over to Laura and we can just pass it straight on. In fact, Mike's texting again. Uh, Laura Kane is having lunch with my wife. Um, thank you for that. It's a double whammy. Give us a call. Brisbane, Mark. Welcome to you, Bris- uh, Mark. Yeah, hi. How are you, Dwayne? 
Good. Um, yeah, you know, from drizzly, miserable Brisbane, like Melbourne weather today. Um, right. Just, just on the goal review, um, NRL have been using it for a while now. I think they mainly do it in the state of Roger where the goals light up green to go mm. between the posts. So whether some technology there can be implemented where whoever's up in the review box can activate the sensor prior to their goal being kicked at um, in a te- well when there's a set shot because obviously if a seagull or something goes through it might um, muck up with it but if the ball chip technology marries up with the sensors on the goals mm. maybe that might be the perfect solution. Yeah, look, I'm happy for them to investigate ball chip technology, Mark. That's a great idea. Look at the next best thing that you're going to bring in down the track. But when you've got the ability to upgrade your goal line technology because the technology is already there, other sports are using it. You're talking about the NRL uses it. Uh, The NFL uses it. That's exactly what they've got. Cameras in the pylon to decide whether or not the ball is over the line or not for it to be touchdown. Now, it's the most critical part of their sport, and they simply use ultra-high-definition cameras to get it right. So if the technology's there, all we have to do is actually pay for it and install it as opposed to investigate it for another year, then I can't, I can't believe they don't do it. Mark, great to have you call up there in Brisbane, and you make a really, really good point. And a couple of texts have come through on it. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We've got a reason why they shouldn't do it, um, if you know why they're not doing it. Totally agree. Yes, used fixed cameras. There are too many moving parts in a chip. And the tech has been there for a couple of years for the cameras. Joe from Mooney Ponds. And that's exactly what Steve Sammartino told us. The chip, ne- the chip technology isn't refined enough for it to be used right now. And it might not be refined enough for them to use it in the 2025 season either. Dwayne, unfortunately, the AFL are two things, stubborn and slow. That's from Craig. And another one here with a conspiracy theory. Dwayne, 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 Dwayne. The AFL don't want to fix the goal line issues. They love the controversy, publicity, and constant debate. And maybe you are correct. Maybe they don't want to fix it. Stu and Handorf, welcome to you, Stu. Good to have you back. Thank you, Dwayne. Good to have you back as well, man. Um, hey, just quickly, didn't the AFL powers um, do a world tour, essentially, at the end of the season to test this technology uh, globally, in other sports, actually physically went and spoke to the administrators and saw it in action in its home territory? Yeah, they did, correct. So if they implement your suggestion, which is the best suggestion, they don't get to go on their junket at the end of this year. So why would they do that, Dwayne? <laughs> I love a good conspiracy theory, Stu. Maybe you're right. Maybe it deprives them of a junket at the end of next year. Um, hey, Stu, by the way, how's Handorf looking today? My family went up to Handorf when I was in Adelaide for the test a few weeks ago. I didn't get to jump in the car with them. I've been many a time. They still reckon it's the most beautiful little town in Australia. It's amazing, Dwayne. And today in particular, the, the weather is phenomenal. There is not a cloud in the sky, and we are uh, we're embarking on... Uh, that period leading into Mad March where things start to heat up here, figuratively and literally. And uh, I can't wait, mate. If the weather today is anything to go by moving forward, we are going to have a very, 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 very good um, six weeks, six or eight weeks ahead of us here in Adelaide. I've got two games up there for gather Round, Stu. Have you got a shop or uh, 
a business, a restaurant that uh, I can drop into on the way or the way home? Yeah, you can swing past my place for a pint, mate. It won't cost you anything. <laughs> Good to have you, Stu. Appreciate your call. Good to have you as a regular again in 2024. Keep your calls and texts coming. One here, fixed camera AI has been tracking for years now. Joe, yeah, it's there. They can use it straight away. Uh, Duano, regarding score reviews, you're dealing with an organisation that still thinks the ruck nomination rule is necessary. God help us. Good luck, mate. Craig, keep your calls, keep your texts coming. one 736 736 Dwayne's word for Brick Lane Brewing. Find it at all good bottle shops. They're doing very tasty things. Find Brick Lane in all good bottle shops. Athena will help you pay down your home loan faster. Visit athena.com.au. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. What's happening in Tassie? What's the latest with the stadium? Brent Costello is our man on the ground down there. He's part of Brent and Paney on SEN Tassie, and he's been good enough to take our call. Brent, welcome to you. Great to have you on. Nice to talk to you, Dwayne. Um, what are your thoughts on whether or not this is going to be a disruption or not? Is it still going to be full steam ahead, or is this going to be a big hiccup? Oh, I wouldn't say it'd be a big hiccup. Obviously, it's not ideal going to an early election here in Tasmania. That was called earlier this week for March 23rd, so five weeks or so away from that. But uh, obviously, it does have a few ramifications as far as the stadium goes. As far as the team goes, it's full steam ahead. We're going to be announcing the the team name and the colours, etc., on March 18. That's the week of the election. So it's going to be a big week here in Tasmania. But, uh, yeah, the, the stadium is the big one still, Dwayne. It's on everyone's lips down here. So there's two different options now stadium-wise for different um, uh, capacities and two different costs? Yeah, so basically what the go is is that the, the one that, been agreed upon is at Macquarie Point, which has always been known, the 23,000-seat roof stadium. That's what uh, the AFL and the clubs and the state government have the, the contract for. But also in the wings is Stadium 2.0, which is just a little further up the hill at Regatta Point. They're calling it Macquarie Point still, and believe it is Macquarie Point, but um, it's a little bit further up the hill. And that's been produced by Dean Coleman, who was a, a premiership player here with the Glenorchy Football Club back in the day. And um, it seems like the government's gone a little bit cold on that and they're sticking with the, the one that's been agreed upon, looking at uh, media reports here today. So, um, as I said, that's what the AFL's agreed on and their, their stance is still the same um, upon looking at their comments as well uh, from yesterday. And that was the AFL's position is that a clear requirement of the 19th licence that the team is c- conditional on a new 23,000-seat roof stadium at Macquarie Point. And that position was clearly reiterated by the AFL CEO, when he appeared before the Tasmanian Parliamentary Committee last year. So um, Labor here, who are in opposition at the moment, said if they get in, they'd like to renegotiate that deal. But uh, reading that, Dwayne, it looks like the AFL's not up to that at all. Yeah, so, I mean, 23,000 is the number that the AFL wants. Is 23,000 the number that they'll get? Is it a chance that there's a smaller 20,000 or that um, there's an option to... Because I don't think the cost is the big part, isn't it? Yeah, the cost is, and, and obviously it was originally forecast for, for $750 million, and um, a lot of that was coming from the state government, a bit from the federal government. But obviously in this climate we live in at the moment, things are, are becoming more and more expensive. And um, Jeremy Rockliffe, the Premier here, came out yesterday and said that uh, he will cap Tasmania's... Uh, the government spend at $375 million. Mm-hmm. Obviously 240 of that comes from the federal government as well on top of that. 
So they're still going to be looking for some private investment, you would think, at this stage, because I can't honestly see it being built for that 750 million markets. And Dean Coleman, who is behind that other stadium proposal, he doesn't believe it can be built for anything less than 1.2 billion. So it's going to be really fascinating to see where this private investment does come from once they do uh, try and find it. Yeah, so who are the private investors that are options? I mean, there's some people that own Mona. They've got a lot of money. I know they're busy with Queens of the Stone Age at the moment, but um, where are they playing, by the way? Yeah, not sure. I know they're in town, yeah. There was, there was some bit of news on that last night, but uh, I'm not heavily into that side of uh, music space, so I couldn't tell you too much about it, unfortunately. Right, okay. But who are the big investors that might actually pay the difference? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, well, a million-dollar question, isn't it? Uh, hmm. It's really fascinating, and, and Dean Coleman, who is behind that Stadium 2.0 project, believes he's got investors ready to go. hasn't said who. So whether the government's doing some wheeling and dealing behind closed doors and trying to get some people lined up to, to help fund this project, we'll have to wait and see. But I've certainly heard no rumours so far about uh, who they might have lined up. So if you had to put your house on it, um, a team to come in from Tassie with a roof stadium at some stage in the next eight years, would it be yes or no? I think it'll happen. Um, yeah, we've come we've come too far. And, and as you say, it's full steam ahead with... Uh, with the, uh, the name and the team and all that all being announced next month, obviously the High mm. Performance Centre has been announced as well on Hobart's Eastern Shore. So uh, the more that's been put into place, and this is what one of the, the uh, independents that uh, left the Liberal Party um, that sort of caused this election to happen, John Tucker said, and that was what he was disappointed about, that all this stuff was happening behind the scenes when the, the stadium hasn't even gone through the process in Parliament yet. So that's the thing. The stadium still needs to go through this project of state significance in, in the Tasmanian Parliament. And until that happens, which is probably going to be a good 18 months, they're saying, um, we won't have any further information, really, till we, till we get all those um, that information come out of the project to state significance. So it's, it's not an answer we're going to have any time soon, I'm afraid. Brent, great to have you on. I, one of the things I can't believe is how they can't actually come to agreement. It's a, what the actual cost is going to be. They seem to have these wildly different estimates as to what the exact build is going to be, which... You know, in this day and age, surely you'd be able to get a quote that is reasonably close to the mark and everyone agrees, OK, that's what it is going to cost. But great to have you, Brent, and we'll hear more of you on Brent and Paney on SEN Tassie. Keep your texts coming through, keep your calls coming through. Mark Bickley's going to join me after 2 o'clock and Chris Anstey as well. Been great to have you company for Midday Madness but another big hour of Dwayne's World still to come. Queens of the Stone Age, by the way, playing on the Mona lawn, I'm told. So they are, they are at Mona, but they're playing at the lawn because... Well, they don't have a stadium to play at, do they? Brick Lane Brewing. They're doing very tasty things. Find Brick Lane in all good bottle shops. Athena will help you pay down your home loan faster. Visit athena.com.au. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Thanks for joining me for Dwayne's World. Dwayne's World for Brick Lane Brewing. They're doing very tasty things at Brick Lane. You can find Brick Lane in all good bottle shops and... We're here for Athena Home Loans. Be rewarded for your loyalty at Athena Home Loans. Let's talk some footy. We've been talking a bit of footy, but let's talk a bit more footy with one of the all-time greats, Mark Bickley, two-time Premiership captain, AFL Nation commentator and co-host of SENSA Breakfast. Joins us thanks to Tool Kit Depot, TKD. Trade members get trade pricing. Sign up today. Every time I say TKD for Tool Kit Depot, I want to say TDK for Tom DeConing, but it is Toolkit Depot that Mark Bickley joins us for, and he's on the line right now. Welcome to you, Bix. Great to have you on. Oh, thank you, Dwayne. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And 
Well, Matthew Nix got signed up. Matthew Nix, we're told, is going to get signed up before round one by a couple of your offsiders, I think, Kim Dillon and, and a couple of others uh, talking about it. What's the latest with Matthew Nix and his contract? Well, look, I think most people agree with, with that, that he will, uh, that the club will move on that and make that happen. And I guess it's, um, it's, it's really about, you know, just a bit of stability. I heard Gary Lyon talking during the week and sort of saying, well, what's the rush? Nobody else is going to come out and steal Matthew Nix. But I think it's more about um, rewarding him for the environment that he's created, the, the progression that they've had over the last four years where they've gone from, you know, being on the bottom of the ladder to, to now, you know, being a really strong chance of playing finals footy this year. And the atmosphere around the club is one of real positivity and, and um, you know, and, and a place where the, the players really want to be. So I think that, for me, is, you know, the way they play, the spirit they play would, would suggest that you want to keep that going and, and provide some stability by saying Matthew Nix is going to be here for the next couple of years. So why have they delayed it, do you think, Bix? Has there been a, a problem with the number or the, the amount of years? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I'm just not sure it's been a real priority. I think you know, mm. Matthew Nix would say that his you know, absolute focus right now is preparing his team really well. Um, it's been a short pre-season uh, comparatively to, to previous years. So that's why I think you know, I'm sure that the managements are talking and it's going to happen. Maybe there's just a little bit of haggling both ways. But um, yeah, like I say, I think it's a fait accompli. What do you think is going to happen in the wider world of footy this year? Bix, who's the ones that are... You've obviously had a look at picking your eight. Who's going to jump in? Who's going to jump out? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question. And, and um, I was talking to someone the other day who was making the point around every year for the last couple of years, someone from the bottom four has mm. jumped up into the eight. And you, I think it might have been Josh Jenkins who was talking about it on SEN. And, and when you look at the bottom four, North and uh, West Coast Eagles and then you've got Hawthorne and, and the Gold Coast. I, I think the Gold Coast are most likely out of those four teams. I think we'll see some improvement up there. You generally get a bit of a spike when you get a, a new experienced coach in like, like Damien Hardwick. They've, um, they've got some really good talent in through the draft. How quickly they come on will, will be interesting. But um, well, I think they will be uh, challenging for the top eight. I think Adelaide will probably challenge for the top eight that they I think they had five games last year, four against the um, you know teams that played inside the eight. They lost by under a goal, including sort of twice to, to Collingwood. So they only have to, to rectify that and and you know get a half decent call on the uh, the, the arc and, and they played finals last year. So I think they can probably improve. Um, and I, it's hard to, to predict who's going to drop out of the eight. I don't know. I, I feel like every year I'm really harsh on St Kilda, and I didn't think they were going to do great guns last year but they they did and and played in the eight and you know i'm probably thinking they're the one that, that mm. may drop out i'm reasonably bullish on carlton i think carlton you know a real strong contender to push up into the, the top four um and sydney it's hard to see sydney going backwards either so yeah i, I think it's, it looks like a crackerjack season i think Essendon will probably improve it feels like there's a different mood around that football club i love the players off their own bat decided to to head overseas and try and make himself better. Port Adelaide have been really positive and by adding some depth with a couple of ruckmen and a couple of key defenders, that sort of fills some, some critical needs for them. So I'm not much help here, Dwayne, but I think it's going to mm. be a great season. It is. So does that mean all of those teams could win the flag if everything, if the planets align? Are you talking about a number of those teams that are down the ladder a little bit that could actually have a, a bigger impact than we think? Perhaps, I mean, the Bulldogs missed the eight. 
I think they can win the flag. The Crows mm. missed the eight. They get it right. Maybe they could. Um, Geelong think they still can because Tom Atkins was on the radio yesterday saying that they still think they can win the flag. There's a lot of Richmond fans out there that think they can, and they finished 13th. <laughs> That's right. Well, um, you know, I played in a team that came 12th one year and, and won at the next two. So, yep. like, you just don't know. But you'd think that the, the sort of probabilities are... like. I, I look at Brisbane and I just feel like they were desperately unlucky last year. But even though, you know, they were a kick away from winning a flag, they, they still progressed. They went from being a perennial top four finisher, not being able to make the final, to be able to make the grand final and live through that experience. And, um, you know, and I just feel that, that if, you, if they are good enough to get back to the grand final next year, the experience from 2023 will make them a better team. It'll give them a better chance of winning. I just know that every year you get back to the last weekend in September, if you've done it before, you know what to expect. You know all the stuff that goes with it and you know how, um, you know, the opportunities that come with it. So I feel like right now, if I had to pick a team, I'd be saying Brisbane are the flag favourites. I like Carlton. I think they've got a really even spread of talent across the whole field. I know that you know, every team needs some luck with, um, you know, their, some of their key players. And Wittring's got a calf and, and there's some other injuries around the place. But, you know, if they can stay sound, I think they're going to improve again. And I just, I like the fact that they've, you know, showed a heap of confidence in Michael Voss and, and said he's our man and, and uh, reappointed him. So, yeah, there's, there's plenty of teams that are going to be great. And I don't think, you know, Collingwood are going to fall off a cliff either. Mm. They're going to be around the mark, obviously. So, um, yeah, you need a crystal ball at this stage, Dwayne, I think. What's the most important thing? We've been debating it a bit today, having the gun top five or top seven to take you to the promised land and win a flag or having the depth of squad to actually get you through? I think the experience with Port Adelaide last year points to depth. You know, Port Adelaide won 13 in a row. A lot of those were away, but they they got to the, the finals. They went out in straight sets because really... They were banged up in the ruck. They didn't really have another ruckman. Lysette played and, and wasn't quite right. They were skinny down back. They played injured defenders and who were undersized, and and, uh, and that really hurt them as well. So I, I feel like you just, you need the depth to be able to come in and, and be able to play a role. And, and if you look at Collingwood's rise over the last couple of years, so Craig McRae takes over, and I think they were a bottom four side when he took over. Um, they didn't bring a whole lot of talent in, but they just, you know, realigned their focus, the way they wanted to play, the way they wanted to, uh, the environment they created. That you know, you look at every Collingwood player, and it looks like they just love going to work every day. And I think that's really important um, in terms of what you're trying to build at a footy club. And and when everyone sort of picks up the rope and and pulls in the one direction, um, you know, most teams are pretty talented and if you get that that sort of alignment and everyone on the same page knowing what they're doing and how to do it i, I think that's a massive thing so you know the stars help uh, and particularly at critical times but also that sort of alignment and that overall depth is really important for me i think can do you think scoring will go up this season we're he- hearing that everyone's going to play a quicker more attacking more aggressive brand do you actually think it'll happen I know what will happen, uh, and it happens every year, Dwayne. The first three or four rounds will be like that. It'll be high scoring. And then every coach that's lost you know, two out of those three will say, geez, we can't keep leading 120 <laughs> points. And so all the pre-season where they've trained all that ball movement, 
we'll be saying, you know what, we have to just rein this in a bit. We have to find a better balance. So, you know, like, yes, you want to kick 100 points and, and um, uh, teams that, that move the ball quickly and turn the ball over, that's that's the key. When you turn the ball over, opposition defences don't get a chance to get set. So, you know, about 70% of score is from turnover. So it's the teams that can create turnovers from opposition and, and go back at them before they get set. They're the ones that score really freely. And, and don't turn it over themselves, you know. So if you've got a good kicking team that you don't give it back very easily, that helps. But um, I hope there's more scoring. I love the way that, that Collingwood, you know, knock the ball forward, get it going their way, try and move it quickly and, and rebound from defence. And I hope a lot of teams try and copy it. It's a, it's a great brand. And, um, yeah, I, I think last year, I loved the footy last year. I thought there was plenty of close games. I think Adelaide, you know, I see a bit of them play. They try and take the game on from half-back and, and try and use the corridor, which a lot of teams try, try to do. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that coaches continue to be bold and I hope as, as media commentators we don't lay into teams that, that do try and do that and when it doesn't work and they get 20 goals kicked against them, we don't say that they're terrible and they're a disaster and they've got to tighten up because that's generally what happens next and we turn into a, the midway through the year, the rain comes, it gets a bit... Uh, more contested players get sore and, and generally then the scoring sort of slows down a bit and then we, we generally spike a bit as we get closer to the finals. Yeah, we kind of saw it a bit last year. Hawthorne, because Sam Mitchell's got job security, he knows he's not going to get the flick. He did try it last year. They did get pummeled a few times. They got smashed by, I think it was 140 points in the preseason trial game against Geelong and everyone thought it was going to be the end of the world and Kane said no one's going to beat Geelong. It's Geelong and then Daylight second. So Sam Mitchell with job security continued to do it. I think we left Sam alone a little bit. Does it come down to that for some coaches? Oh, well, I don't want my ego to be bruised or my job to be in danger. Yeah, I think it, I think it also comes down to the conviction of the coach as well. Mm. Um, and Sam Mitchell, I, I sense, and you know, I only know Sam a little bit, not very much at all, but he's someone who truly believes this is how footy is played and and I got a taste of that under Malcolm Blight. Like he, Malcolm Blight was ultra attacking, and mm. uh, and he, you could you, you were never going to change the way he thought about footy because he had that strong conviction. And I think um, you know Luke Beveridge. I think he's got a conviction about you know he they play a really high possession game. Whether you think that's a, a good move or a bad move, um, but he hasn't. They haven't changed a whole lot the way they've gone about it. They use the ball a lot by hand and flick it around a bit. So you know I think it comes down a bit of the conviction of the coach about you know do they have a picture in their head of how the game should be played and, and are they strong enough to be able to stick to that no matter what and, and keep refining it and getting their players to understand it and be able to execute it. So, um, you know, I think and some coaches stick to it. I think Chris Scott had a real picture in his head for a long time and then, and then they, at various stages, make little tweaks. And I think that's the art of coaching, knowing what little tweaks to make. And, you know, he did that a couple of years ago and, and had the ultimate success. So, yeah, there'll be some coaches have a picture of how they want to play, but I'll make some slight tweaks along the way. Give me your goal kickers for Adelaide this year, a rough number. Tex, Fogarty, Thilthorpe, Rankin, because there's a few that tell me that Fogarty might end up being the number one forward. Can Thilthorpe be the number one forward? I don't think so. Uh, not right now. I think that... Um, no, in time, I mean. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think they're still deciding what type of player they want to make Riley Thilthorpe into. Is he going to be a Luke Jackson who um, plays 25% in the ruck, 75% forward and kicks 40 goals a year? Or is he going to be Tom Lynch and just be a 
pure forward who's going to be up there and, and or you know any of the King brothers and just become a contested marking beast and and you know try and kick sixty or seventy goals a season. I, I'm not sure they're convinced which way they're going to go. I know he's done a, a lot of work this year in the ruck and I, I know they're, they're they're going to try and use him in the ruck because he's been bogged down a few times where you know, five or six touches in a game and you, you lose a bit of confidence. And when he does push up the ground and play on the ruck, you can get involved a bit. You know, he runs a, a sub uh, sub six-minute 2K, like he's, a, right. he's an athlete. And so if they can, they feel as if he gets up the ground, he starts marking the ball and uh, and gets possessions up the ground, that, that just gives him some confidence. And then when he goes to market, he, he, he attacks and jumps at the ball much better. So I, I feel like that's where it'll start for him. But, you know, if he has a couple of games, you know, in his first game on debut, he kicked five goals on debut and everyone thought, wow, what have we got mm. here? So it hasn't quite sort of recaptured that. But if he had a couple of games where he did get hold of it and, and started catching everything in, inside forward 50, I think that could change pretty quick and he could become that key forward. But right now, he's going to be a 20% Ruckman and, and, uh, and yes, and the third forward for Adelaide. Taylor Walker can't, I, I don't think, will kick 75 goals again this year. The draw helped him a little bit last year. He kicked 30 goals. Uh, was it 30? No, he kicked mm. nine, 19 against uh, West Coast. And, and yeah. they played North Melbourne twice. And he filled up his bag both times there. So I just don't think the, the draw is going to be the same for Adelaide. And, and another year older, um, I just think he might come back a bit. But I think that would be healthy for Adelaide if now, Fogarty kicked, I think, 36 last year in 21 games. I probably think he needs to be closer to 50. Tex probably comes back a little bit. And, and Isaac Rankin missed four games late in the year and still managed close to 40 goals. I, I, I think he can be a 50-goal forward as well. The only thing that um, Isaac may have to contend with is he's been training a lot through the middle of the ground, doing a fair mm-hmm. bit of centre-bounce work. So Adelaide want to add a little bit of speed around the ball and a bit of um, uh, a bit of sideways movement. I think a lot of people feel that with Dawson, Laird, Crouch, they're a little bit one-speed in, in that set of bounce, and they don't sort of burst out of out of uh, stoppage. And so Rochelle, Rankin, Pedler, some of those younger players are going to get a fair bit of opportunity, I think, early in the year to, to show what they can do. Great to have you, Bix. Going to be good to hear from you during the course of the year as part of our team. So uh, looking forward to having a chat to you. We'll talk soon. Oh, just letting you know where I am, Dwayne. I'm, I'm up at Port Lincoln, Adelaide, are doing their community oh, camp. They're nice. having an internal trial match. So I'm just looking out over uh, Boston Bay, about from the Kyvy Diva statue at the moment. Right. It's 29 degrees, a little zephyr of wind blowing, so it's uh, ideal conditions for this trial match this afternoon. you got a best player ever from Port Lincoln. Is it, uh, is it Greg Phillips? Um, who's the best ever from up there? Danny Hughes oh, from there? I'm going with Graham Johncock. He's, uh, he, he was down here yesterday having a chat with the boys. He was a star for Adelaide, but hard to go past Greg Phillips. Is, uh, who else is from over this way? There's been a lot of star players. Darren Mead, I think Port Adelaide's yes. first ever... Uh, uh, winner of the uh, John Cale medal. So it traditionally has been Port Adelaide's country zone and they've got great players forever. It's now flipped over to Norwood. So, so oh. Port Adelaide uh, fans will be rolling in their grave knowing that Norwood are getting a lot of the great talent from the Peninsula. But uh, that's the way it is. Good to have you, Bex. Um, and Graham, of course, uh, certainly had the best nickname in the comp. Great to have Mark Brickley, two-time Premiership captain, AFL Nation commentator and co-host of SENSA Breakfast. If you're listening to this somewhere, Port Lincoln Way, give us your top three all-time sports people, footballers from, Link to, from Port Lincoln. Become a Tool Kit Depot trade member 
and get trade pricing on a huge range of tools. If you've got a lost in the wash, jump on the line now, one 736 and we'll get to you before Chris Anstey talks some NBL. Lost in the wash time. If you've got a lost in the wash for showers or dog washes, then jump on the line now, one 736 Should have got to it by now. But haven't showers at dog washes. Fundraise at your footy club. Free installation, showers.com.au is where you can find out more. A couple of texts that have come through. Let me clean up the text machine for showers. Um, when Nick Dacos didn't play with his knee injury last year, the pies were not as good. So there's one saying that your top five is more important. And the top one was very important for Collingwood when they struggled without Nick Dacos. Reasonable text that. Uh, Dwayne, I live 300 metres from the G and Taylor Swift's rehearsal has just begun. Paul, thanks for that. We're asking for a Taylor Swift update. We've got one. She's at the G and she's rehearsing right now. You better get along if you're in the area just to land an ear. Um, Dwayne, this year more than any other, the Premiership will be one in the coaches' box. The best team of coaches will win the flag. It does seem like it's going to be a fairly even season. Uh, they need more trams on game day, especially from the city to the ground, not enough trams, and I need more trams when the game finishes. Not enough trams! So there's one suggestion as to how they can enhance the game day experience. Dwayne, stick a phantom camera on every goal line. If you don't know what a phantom camera is, it's the best cameras to capture ultra-high speed imaging, and they deliver clear, high-quality images at speeds not previously possible. They're about $80,000. Well, maybe the AFL does need to install them. They need nine of them every week. So nine $80,000 cameras in the goalposts and we're set. Uh, Dwayne, good luck with chipping the ball technology. Wouldn't that be too modern? Victorians are still waiting for a rail link to Tullamarine. Sharon in Glen Iris. Thank you, Sharon, for the little political statement on the way through. Dwayne, there are literally no, literally no moving parts in chip technology. Well, well actually, they're all moving because the ball's moving, but I get what you're saying. Dwayne, last call at 100%. The AFL wants its junkets and its spin fill, so maybe it does like the controversy that comes with poor goal line technology. How come they don't put sensors on the post with LED lights? So when the ball touches the post, the lights light up. Well, the player can touch the post at the same time. That's the reason why. Lost in the wash for showers or dog washers. All footy clubs need one. Two texts coming through telling me that Dean Lucan, the tuna fisherman, is the number one sports person ever from Port Lincoln. Thanks for that. Uh, John Cock, Betts, Burgoyne, Pickett, Lindsay Thomas. Thanks for that. So some handy footballers also coming from Port Lincoln. Thanks to Werribee Kia. Finance your EV9 through Werribee Kia Finance this month. Top dollar on trade-ins. Available as in taking your votes on the best Brownlow winner of the past 15 years. Simply head to 1116SEN on Instagram and check out the stories to vote right now. So we're into the final day today. It's grand final day. And it's Gary Ablett's 2009 Brownlow year up against Dustin Martin's 2017 Brownlow year. Werribee Kia, the EV6, the EV9, and the Nero, you can test drive those electric cars now. And a quick plug for Sammy. This is your journey on Sunday from 10 a.m. Sam Emberton chats to award-wing AFL and sports photographer Michael Wilson. All thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. On a couple of other texts coming through. Um, Dwayne, come on, Dwayne. Goal line tech, important. Banning the whistling and showing players weight 
is more important. Thank you. And GoPros have better slow-mo than we currently have. Uh, thank you for that as well. Chris Anstey's going to join us after the break, so stick around. You're with Dwayne's World. Welcome back to Dwayne's World. Dwayne's World for Brick Lane Brewing. They're doing very tasty things at Brick Lane. You can find Brick Lane in all good bottle shops. And for Athena Home Loans, be rewarded for your loyalty at Athena Home Loans. A little bit of an NBL update and an NBA update. You can watch the Hungry Jacks NBA live on ESPN. One final round of the NBL. And then it's down to the business end of the season. Chris Anstey's been good enough to join me, Australian basketball legend, co-host of the Has Been Hoops podcast, and he's been good enough to jump on. Uh, he could have said hello to me at the game on Sunday, but he was busy hosting his own box of luminaries. Welcome to you, Chris. Great to have you on. <laughs> I didn't see you, Dwayne. I apologise. It was a um, no, it was a fun night um, watching that United game. I, I get to see the Phoenix in their last game this uh, season on on Saturday night. But, um, geez, what a fun weekend we've got to round it out. And I, I just reckon that, the 5.30 game tonight might be the biggest one of them all, and it probably doesn't appeal to Melbourne basketball fans quite as much. But um, for those who followed the league, we, we just assume that the Sydney Kings will beat a very depleted Phoenix on Saturday night, which means that the Brisbane Bullets-New Zealand Breakers game today, uh, the loser's done. Um, so it really is a, a, a win-or-go-home type game, and they're always fun to watch to see who steps up, who perhaps struggles a little bit, but uh, that 5.30 game over the ditch uh, is the biggest game the uh, the Brisbane Bullets will play uh, this season. Yeah, because they were cooked early, and we thought that they were going to be last on the ladder, but here they are, they've resurrected things, as has a couple of teams this year over the course of time, but Adelaide's dropped away a bit after having a little spark as well, but uh, Brisbane's a bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, they are, and, and they've got every chance of beating the... They started the season slowly, and Justin Shuler, Darren McDonald, and the coaching staff up there have done a really good job to to turn that around. Nathan Sobey's been incredible, and they're, look, their their roster's just a little bit more balanced, but certainly they wouldn't have been a team that you would have probably tipped to lock in a top four or five spot. Now, probably a little bit incorrect, I think, if New Zealand lose, and then there's still a way for them to get in, mm. but I'm really interested in seeing what, what Brisbane do today. I think they're going to be a little bit too tough for New Zealand with uh, Anthony Lamb out. They might be able to handle uh, Cartwright-Jackson well enough uh, to limit what the breakers are able to do and uh, sneak their way in, I think. Southeast Melbourne Phoenix last game, though. So they could beat the Kings. What kind of repercussions would there be if the Kings missed the playoffs? You know, well, the repercussion might be the same anywhere where, you know, Trevor Gleeson's available, Brian Gorgian's available. Uh, Mahmood, or Coach Mahmood, hasn't gotten the team to what they're capable of. Now, regardless of ladder position, the way that they're playing, the way that they're competing and their, their inconsistencies, I just don't think that a team with that calibre of players on it should be... In a, in, you know, a must-win game to make the playoffs in, in the last round. Now, they're quite fortunate that they get South East Melbourne Phoenix with imports missing, very depleted roster, 
And again, you just expect them to win that. And, and here's the thing, though, a little bit like John Rilly and the Perth Wildcats. I chatted uh, to Tim Gossage and Scotty Cummins over on the SEMWA earlier, and they were barracking for the Kings to lose. They, they were barracking last night for Illawarra as well, just to make sure that Sydney might miss. But um, I'll tell you what, they're still the team that, I'm going to say, when they beat the Phoenix, and if they don't, they should just mm. write a line through it. But they've still got that top-end talent where any team on any given night would have to at least be cautious of Jalen Adams going crazy or Denzel Valentine going crazy. They've got enough players in there that can beat you single-handedly on any given night. It's just their inability to put it together consistently over a season. But they would still scare me a little bit, even if they sneak in the fifth or sixth spot. Does last night's loss put any doubts as to whether you think Perth is... As good as Melbourne United, Melbourne United is going to finish top and they might finish, what, a couple of games clear as well on the win column. But um, is it Melbourne and and Daylight and then three or four teams that are even or is Perth still the team to beat if it's not Melbourne? Yeah, just a little bit of Daylight. I just think I was chatting to Mark Worthington earlier on and we were chatting. We were wondering if Melbourne United might rest players over this last weekend, mm. whether or not they played Brad Newley a whole bunch of minutes in his farewell uh, road, you know, regular season games before he retires. Um, but the thing with United, even if they do rest their starters and play their bench, they're still as good as most teams in the league. They've mm. just got incredible depth. So, yeah, Melbourne a clear favourite. I'm not too worried about Perth um, with that result. What The interesting part with Illawarra was Perth haven't found a way to beat Illawarra yet, and Illawarra locked up that spot so Justin Tatum as head coach has done an incredible job to take that team from dead last uh, in the fourth position as it sits right now and that's just been an incredible coaching performance but uh, no not worried about Perth they've had second spot locked in they they couldn't go up they couldn't go down I think they're fine and any team with Bryce Cotton and an aggressive Bryce Cotton mindset leading into a playoff series against anyone uh, is going to be formidable so, for those unaware, the NBL has a six in a 10-team comp with this playing tournament that they've got. The NBA had it, and now the NBL has got it. So, in essence, nine of the 10 teams in the comp could still make the playoffs last week with two rounds to go. Uh, it's, it's been a good addition, Chris. I've been arguing about the AFL and how they've got an eight for an 18-team comp, whether they should push it out to 10. But keeping those teams alive late in the season has been a godsend for the NBL because every game has interest in it just about. Yeah, it does. And it's one of the, the great initiatives we've copied from the NBA. It's, it's worked in the NBA. It's certainly worked here. So fan, ba- fan bases are more engaged and longer, longer into a season. It takes a lot longer to be mathematically written off. Um, it just really, and it creates more and more interest even in this final round across more games than ordinarily we would have had. So I, I love it. Uh, you know, it's I, ha- I have no idea who's going to get through this weekend. Like I said, I think Brisbane might, but there have been other seasons in the history of the NBL where the top four of the finals have been locked in a couple of weeks out, and they've just been dull, ra- you know, dead rounds. So, hmm. congratulations to the NBL for implementing it. It wasn't necessarily, you know, not everyone agreed with the decision when they did it, but I think those who didn't now do it's very hard to find someone who doesn't agree with the format the repercussions for southeast melbourne i know they've had injuries but 
Uh, they've got to look at two years, and I spoke to Tommy Greer about it yesterday, and he admitted after two years of injuries, they've got to look at their management and their training system. Yeah, Tommy Greer was sitting with me when he walked out. I was a little bit disappointed. We, we missed out on about 10 minutes of chat. But no, I, I agree. It's the high-performance program with the Phoenix and the one consistent they've had from the day that they stepped into the league is their inability to keep players on the floor. And you know, I always say that the most important element of high-performance is performance, and they haven't had that from their best players. And yeah, every week it rolls around and you've got a, a player out with injury and you know, I don't think Simon Mitchell ever had a clear run at it with a full roster. Mike Kelly certainly hasn't had a run of it, uh, run at it with a full roster. I, you know, they need to find a way to manage their players off the court. I don't think that's necessarily a coaching thing. I think it comes from somewhere else in the high performance program. So, so whoever's responsibility it is to put the players on the floor, to, to recruit healthy players, to screen players, to make sure they can get through a season, and then in fact to get those players on the court week in, week out, you know, that's got to change, whoever that is at the Phoenix. How many NBL players do you think will make the, yeah, actually get to Paris, not the squad, but actually make the actual team for Paris? Oh, you, you put me on the spot. I, I, I think perhaps <laughs> more than went to the world championships. Uh, and I say that because the guys who have played full seasons in the NBL and have competitive minutes under their belt may very well be better prepared. I think whoever we send to Paris is going to find it extraordinarily difficult. Um, you know, we're very small. We, we, our top-end guys haven't played a lot of basketball. Even when you start looking at Josh Kitty, you know, he's, he's 20 minutes a game down from what he was. But we're small. Most teams are sending their, their superstars across. Um, you know, you'd like to think Chris Golding would be a very good chance. You'd like to think that Matthew Dellavedova may even earn his way back in. And unfortunately, you know, Dyson Daniels is now under an injury cloud. So I'm not sure who else it is. I'm really interested to see how Mitch Creek goes in the upcoming Oceana series or the, or the Asian series in Bendigo. I'd love to see him have a run at a position. Um, I'll go with one or two, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, three or four. And are all the big guns going to play for the US? It sounds like they're quite a few putting their hand up. Yeah, they, they will. It's going to be scary, the team they put on the floor. And, you know, I think you'll see Steph Curry in a USA uniform, perhaps for the first time in Olympic Games. I might be wrong there, but, you know, when you're looking at Curry, LeBron, Durant, Booker, the list goes on. It goes back to that inverted commas dream team type USA team that's going to be really formidable. But then again, you, you look at Serbia and you look at other countries, you, you've got Nikola Jokic who's going to play, you've got Luka Doncic who's going to play for you know, for all their, their home countries. Uh, Slovenia, um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, I'm not even sure if Greece are in, but there are so many absolute superstars that will find their way to the, uh, to the Olympic Games. It's going to be a tough ask for Australia who probably doesn't have one at that calibre. Uh, to compete on any given night on the team that we send across. So who do they... I mean, they're going to leave some good ones out. They've got Kyrie. They've got... Uh, I mean, Jimmy Butler. They've got... Um, well, Embiid's injured at the moment, so there's got to be a question mark over him. Uh, Lillard. Uh, they're going to miss Chris Paul. They're going to leave some good ones out. I think Chris Paul will be one they leave out. But, they're, <laughs> I mean... Well, what a, what a luxury, what a decision to have with, with those players actually putting their hand up and becoming available. Um, there, of course, there'll be great players, players left out. But um, I, I think 
whenever you see the USA not do well at a major event, the good players or the, the top-tier players tend to avail themselves at the next big one just to make sure people remember how good the United States are at basketball mm-hmm. in, in their minds. So uh, having said that, even with their top-tier teams, uh, yeah, they're, they're still beatable. The world, for a number of years, has continued to catch up on the USA, but uh, I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to sitting down, putting my feet up and having a look. It, it's going to be a fascinating Olympic Games when it does roll around. Gorge, uh, the spectre of Brian Gorgian being back. Um, where do you think he might end up? Well, well, I think Sydney, but Trevor Gleeson, by all reports, is, is in the mix for Sydney as well. So you've got two very historically successful, maybe the two most successful coaches in NBL history successfully available for one of the biggest markets in the country. So you'd, you'd, you'd almost be crazy to go past those two, I would imagine. It looks to me like Adelaide are throwing all of their cards on the table to try to get Gorge before Sydney's head coaching job becomes available, if in fact it does, and and good on them for doing so. But I also think Scotty Innes has done a great job sort of in line with what Justin Tatum has been able to do in Elora. So, you know what, I, I still tend to think Gorge will find his way back to Asia um, if it's not the Sydney Kings. I think that would be the only job that truly interests him. So the money in Asia, the money in Japan as well is pretty big as well. People probably don't quite... I mean, our competition's better, but our money's not quite as good. Is that the way it is? Yeah, it is. And, you know, the growth of the sport in smaller countries with the, the importance of good coaching to improve the quality of the league. And Gorge has always been big on that, no matter where he's been. So he's been a really integral part of that, you know, in China, in the Philippines, and in the, the various places he's coached. I just think his reputation... He's so high, not only here in Australia, but globally that, you know, he'll actually have a, you know, his, his choice will come down to more teams than just the ones that are available in the NBL. You're not coaching? You're happy uh, just uh, being the barman <laughs> of the Trentham? Yeah, a little bit more than that, but uh, no, I'm happy to sit behind the bar and pour a few drinks, but no, the, the coaching's done for me. I still get on court every, every now and again with the players who give me a call and want to work out a little bit, but... Uh, I'm, uh, I'm involving myself in that outer circle of uh, basketball people, you know, the sponsors, the, the supporters, and you know, getting to know them a little better, which has been a lot of fun. You are actually, so people wander down to the Trentham, uh, the Trentham Hotel this weekend. Are you there most weekends? I know you're going to be at the basketball quite a bit, but you are spending a lot of time there. You're not just an owner who's never there. No, I know I get there. I, I, I'm getting to know the community well. I'm, I'm there a lot of the time. Not this weekend. I'm sticking okay. around in Melbourne this week. I mean, I'll go to the Phoenix game, then I'm actually off to the United States to see my daughter Izzy at UCLA next week. So I'll be over there for a little bit. But uh, no, when I'm back, all, all I tell people, just flick us a message on, on social media. I'll tell you when I'm coming down and come down and have a beer with me. It's good fun having good stuff, Chris. the other side of the bar. Good stuff, Chris. Great to have you on. I really love the chat and good luck in the US. Hope she's going well. Good on you, Duane. Thanks, mate. Chris Anstey, Australian basketball legend and NBL update. You can watch the Hungry Jacks NBL live on ESPN. Dwayne's World for Brick Lane Brewing. Find it at all good bottle shops. Welcome back to Dwayne's World. It's been an absolute pleasure to have your company today and this week to all of you who took the time to dial the number this week. Uh, I love Midday Madness. I love talking to you about all things sport and all things footy. And the footy's hotting up right now. So back next week for Midday Madness on Monday. So please join me then. Put that number in your phone and give us a call Monday and we'll fire up with Midday Madness 
from midday. Time to celebrate some lives thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. Happy birthday to tennis legend, and I still think he's the greatest of all time, John McEnroe, who turns 65 today. Happy birthday to you, Johnny Mac. MotoGP legend Valentino Rossi turns 45 today as well. So a couple of big guns there. Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934, celebrating lives. Again, the show was driven by Werribee Kia today. The team will look after you down at Werribee Kia. Just like family, drop in, see David, Janan, Aid, Jim. The whole team are down there. They'd love to see you. And they've got the incredible deals now happening on a heap of their new stock including the EV9, which is now available. So book your test drive today in that EV9. You can test drive my white or the, the white EV9 that I borrowed for a couple of days. It's back there as I dropped it back a couple of days ago. So drop down, see the team, test drive the EV9, or they've got a heap of new Kias on offer down there, 2024 Kias on fantastic drive-away prices. You've got the 2024 new Picanto from 19990 the 2024 Stonic, from 24990 2024 Celtos from 3990 2024 Sportage from 36990 drive away and the 2024 Sorrento from 53990 drive away and uh, they are fantastic cars if you haven't driven a Kia lately make sure you drop down and see the team at Werribee Kia they've got great finance offers as well top dollar on all trade-ins over 300 late model used cars in stock so the teams at Werribee Kia, Old Geelong Road, Hobbs Crossing. Be sure to check out the EV9 for a test drive. WerribeeKia.com.au, LMCT114. It's all there on the podcast as well. If you want to download Dwayne's World and listen to the podcast, any of the interviews we've done today or this week, they're all there. Chris Anstey was on the program moments ago. You can download the whole show or just listen to the individual interviews from Dwayne's World for the week. Back on Monday. Stick around. Andy and Gacy are next.